Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, where we interview the world's leading CEOs, business executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and authors. Our mission is to learn the strategies and tactics that have helped our guests succeed in business and life and share those lessons with you so that you can become the Bulletproof Entrepreneur. My name is Chia Dogu, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Adogu Media Group. Dogu Media Group is a podcast marketing and new media agency that helps corporations create and amplify their story via high-quality branded audio content that builds a community of highly engaged fans who are their ideal clients for their premium products and services. And now, without further ado, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Slane. Jonathan is a business owner, recession expert, an author, and an entrepreneur. He and his business partner and co-author Paul Belair have written a book titled Rock the Recession, How Successful Leaders Prepare for, Thrive During, and Create Wealth After Downturns. They have a website called recession.com which I am just jealous that you got that domain name, by the way. So so their website is recession.com, and that website or portal teaches you everything you need to know as to how to organize your business to not only survive a recession, but also thrive during a recession and build a better and stronger organization. So I'm pleased to have Jonathan on the show today to tell us a little bit more about himself, his business experience, and then we dive deep into his book, Rock the Recession. So with that said, Jonathan, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. Did you want to take a, uh, a guess at how I got recession.com before we dive in? Okay. All right. Let me, let's see. You bought it from someone for like six figures? <laughs> it wasn't quite six figures, but yes, I did buy it from someone. So I don't know uh, if the audience is curious. No, I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm personally curious. How did you get the domain name? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we just, we used a broker through GoDaddy okay. and then the, they were asking 25,000 okay. and we ended up negotiating and settling um, somewhere below that number. Nice, nice. Very so, nice. Um, but yeah, we made the investment because also wanted the website to be something that people were excited about and mm-hmm. recessions are typically something that everyone fears. Yep. And our take on it was if we get the domain, then it can be a happy place for people to come because mm. we're really all about how people can look forward to recessions okay. instead of just how do you survive them. Okay, great. So before we even talk about yeah. your background and how you got here, why should people be excited about recession? Because in the news for the past year or so we've been hearing oh there's a recession coming recession coming out of the united states you know all the macro i think they said somewhere i haven't personally kept up with the news but i think they said oh the yield curve has inverted and as a finance and economic that you know what that means and we all know what that means but why should people be excited about recession because recession in everyone's mind mean possible layoffs everything is going to shrink we don't know where to turn. We're all going to be in the fetal position crying until we can sort ourselves up. Well, I, that's why I'm especially excited to be on your show with your audience because it's all people trying to figure out how am I as an entrepreneur going to get ahead of the curve? How can I take my life uh, to the next level? What can I do to create a new opportunity? And I think the great news about recessions is that they allow you to hack the usual system. So you don't have to spend years and years and decades grinding away in order to build something if you can leverage the opportunities that a recession brings. 
There is so much instability in the economy. There's so many opportunities that come up in a recession that as a young entrepreneur or as a new entrepreneur, you can leverage those if you're smart enough to take advantage of them instead of having to just hustle and grind. And I think that's a lot of what's out there now is it's like if you just hustle and you just work hard enough, eventually you'll get there which I appreciate, I'm a grinder, I do this because I love it, um, probably work too much, but with a recession, what if there was an opportunity to hack the system? And since World War II, we've had 11 recessions, they last on average 11 months, they don't come around that often. So there are precious opportunities, but the whole point of the book, everything that we're talking about is, how can you rock the recession? What do you need to do now to plan for it so that when it does hit, you can really jump the line and get ahead of where everybody else is. Oh, great, great. So now this book and your business was birthed out of your experience in the last recession, the Great Recession. You were in deep in the hole, you know, you had a franchise company, <laughs> you were in debt, from what I remember in the book, over $250,000 that your mother-in-law billed you out with up until you were able to sort yourself out. Dude, so dude, it, get, it gets worse. It was a quarter of a million. But the worst part, dude, is that it wasn't, I didn't borrow it all at once. I really, it was every other week I would call her because we had payroll. And so it was like 12 different times that I had to call her asking her if I could borrow another 20,000. And so after that experience, and luckily I paid her back. And as you can see, I'm still married. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's good. The thing that I learned is that nobody should have to borrow money from their mother-in-law to survive. So that's really the why. I know a lot of times in business we're supposed to start with why. So that's my why is that nobody should have to borrow money from their mother-in-law to survive a recession. And then beyond that, what could I have done differently if I had been thinking about the fitness business, which is the business I was in, what could I have done differently going into the recession to really take advantage of the market opportunities? Mm, yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about your background before you got into the fitness business. You were an investment banker. You know, you were working 80, 100 hours a week. You know, you travel with your brother-in-law, I believe, right, to go check out this business before. So tell us your story. And I, I, I'm giving the story away because I read the book and I know the story. But well, tell us your story, you know, what you learned as an investment banker, what you saw the opportunities were in this business, and then how did you guys build this business so quickly over the five years before you now got into the problem you had with um, the recession? Well, so investment banking in Cleveland and was working 80 to 100 hours a week in mergers and acquisitions. And without that base, um, and I like to tell people that I did it for two years, but really that was human years. In dog years, it was more like four years of experience because when you're doing something 80 to 100 hours a week, it's really all consuming. Without that experience, I don't think I would have gone on to be an entrepreneur. But what happened was my brother-in-law, he's the gym rat in the family. As you can tell, I'm not uh, exactly the gym rat, but he was like, will you come with me? There's a franchise, it's in Denver, it's called Fitness Together, and I want you to come check it out with me because it's always been my dream to own my own business, and I wanna make sure that the franchise is okay. And so I flew with him out to Denver, and I looked at the franchise opportunity with him, and on the flight home I said, hey, why don't I leave the bank and do this with you? And that was really, I wish I could tell you that I had a, a real great plan for it, uh, but that's what was going on. It was at a time in my life when I was sitting in my office, in my cubicle, 
80 to 100 hours a week, and I was turning green from the fluorescent lights, and that was really the genesis of it. So without that experience, I don't think I would have had the courage to go on to become an entrepreneur and to open our own gyms. But we opened a gym, and then what I was really good at was opening more gyms and also securing the financing to do that. So we were able to open a second location quickly, and then a third location, a fourth location, a fifth location, and all of a sudden we were the largest franchisee in the system. Nobody had ever opened five units, and I quickly learned why. We were in the personal training market, and it's a very relationship-oriented business. It's very dependent on having the right manager and the right people, and so it's tremendously difficult to scale. And so all of a sudden I look back and I had 25 employees and I was 25 years old and had no idea what I was doing. And so we started to actually use uh, traction. I don't know, have you, has that made it up to Toronto? Yeah, Gino Whitman, right? I mean, yeah. I've, 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 come, I've come across it over the years, but I've not personally um, gone through the program myself. So we started to use that program in our gyms, the entrepreneurial operating system, and our, we had the top location. So we figured we were doing something right when our numbers were better and we were growing. And so we grew and we grew and we grew and then the Great Recession hit. And so Great Recession hits, we didn't have a plan. And so I'm curled up in the uh, floor of my office in the fetal position trying to figure out what to do. And looking back, I'm gonna let you and your audience in on a little secret. Personal training is about the worst thing that you can try to sell in a recession. <laughs> Nobody wants personal training in a recession. Really? Because it's a discretionary expense. So people start to cut back. And so having a personal trainer and spending money on that, I think is one of the first things to go. And if I thought that through, if I had had a plan, if I had followed the program that we put on in the book, then I hopefully could have avoided that and really leveraged the trends in fitness to take advantage of the recession. Mm. Interesting. I personally would have thought it would be the opposite that at least people will still care about their physical health and well-being. Kind of like, you know, we all cut our hair regardless of whatever happens in the economy. I would, right. I would think people might just say, okay, yes, but I won't go as often, but I'll still go because I want to maintain my peak physical health and condition. But, but that's interesting that yeah, you mentioned is one of the first things to get cut off. Right. Oh, well, I, I, think, I think it's a good point. I th people still work out. It's just a question of they don't need a personal trainer for 60 or $75 an hour. They can work out in a group class. And so a lot of the market moved more towards group fitness. Or you can see right now the trend is with Peloton and people want to work out at home. They want a subscription model where they can. So we saw all those trends back before the Great Recession, but we never stopped to think about it and position ourselves to take advantage of it. So for your audience, I think that's, uh, if we're getting into how to get ready to rock the recession, the first step, first gear, is to assess your situation. So you wanna benchmark where you are versus the rest of the market, versus your peers, versus your competitors, where are you? And if you wanna do that, yeah, you mentioned recession.com is the website. If you go on there, uh, there's a free assessment, it's 20 questions, and it spits out a score from zero to 100 to let you see how ready to rock the recession that you are. So that's, that's step one. So now I know that 
in the midst of that was when you got connected with Paul Belair, correct? And he, he was your mentor. He trained you. He taught you because in his own business, he had actually prepared for the recession. So walk us through, you know, that relation, that mentorship relationship with him, what you learned during that process and then how that transformed into the idea of you guys creating this business and then ultimately writing this book. Okay. So I don't know. Have you heard of the entrepreneurs organization? Yes, I have. Okay. So EO. EO. And then. I think you have a pretty big chapter in Toronto, actually. Uh, and then there's YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. And so in Cleveland, there's a partnership between YPO and EO for the Young Presidents Organization to provide mentors to the members of EO. And I was randomly paired up with Paul 10 years ago. And so from there, actually the first thing that we worked on for our first year together was really a life plan. So Paul helped me to get together a life plan, which is something um, I'd recommend for young entrepreneurs or for anyone who's you know leaving corporate world to get into being an entrepreneur, is to start with that, to figure out why you're doing this and what you want to accomplish. And that's what Paul really forced me to do first. Mm. I'm actually looking here at your 2019 family life plan and quest board the, fi- <laughs> the firestorm and everything so i was like all right as you've mentioned it let's let's talk a little bit more about that because it's sure fu- it's funny how creating a life plan can actually help you build a better business so let's delve deeper into that a little bit further because i can see here from 2016 how your life plan has changed so how does you create that first one and then how did that help you inform your decisions in building your business so the, I think there's a lot of options with life planning. The one thing I'm sure about to start is that you need to spend 16 hours with a legal pad and a pen at your favorite coffee shop. That's the rule. That's I would absolutely always start there. It can go many directions from there. So for me, I did like eight two-hour sessions, and it was easiest for me to do it on a Saturday or Sunday morning before my kids got up. Uh, when I wasn't missed. And also during the weekends, I can decompress. It's really hard for me to try to take out a couple hours during a weekday. But I don't care. I think I'm agnostic on that. But I just want, if you want to do this, I think you need to commit 16 hours. And then you need to start with a blank sheet of paper and let it flow from there. So for me, I have a very logical, analytical perspective. So I was all about bullet points. And I think in PowerPoint bullets, Uh, And that's how I created my first plan. I think it depends on your audience's behavioral profile. It may be that if you're super detail-oriented, that that would drive you crazy and you need to write out in excruciating detail what the plan is. Or some of my friends that are entrepreneurs, that are visionaries, they're very artistic, they're using more images, kind of like uh, where you cut out things from magazines to create what your vision is. The vision board, right? Yeah. Right. And, and it doesn't matter to me. I think really it's that investment of 16 hours in yourself. Because, again, the um, philosophically, I think we spend more time planning Christmas or we spend more time planning our daughter's wedding than we spend on planning our life. And for me, it was just, I was at a point with Paul pushing me on this, my mentor, that that wasn't good enough. That unless I was willing to just let life take me where it was going to take me, that I need to invest that 16 hours in myself. 
And then, yeah, like like you mentioned, I know that uh, I get asked about the tools I used. So I threw up a little mini site, which I'm not really broadcasting widely, but if your audience is interested, there's rockyourlifeplan.com. It just has, I think it's got my life plan up there and it's got a few tools that I usually have. Yeah, if my clients ever want to get it. So if your audience is interested, that's all free um, and they can, if it can be of use to them, then great. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to link to it in the show notes because in my research, okay. I I opened everything up. So I saw it, I read <laughs> through it. I'm like, oh, wow. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, no, well, if your audience is into it, then I'd love to hear from them because um, selfishly it would help me because that's the the book I'm working on right now is Rock Your Life. So I know we're a little off topic with the main book, but um, if if they're into the life planning, they get into that and they want to shoot me a note, then I'm gathering research right now on that topic. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, so now you, you write this book. You come through the recession after getting mentored and coached by Paul. So in this book, you mentioned four steps in how to, you know, navigate and weather the storm in a recession. And I want you to briefly talk about those four steps and then maybe we might dive into one a little bit deeper. Okay. So again, the first one is to benchmark your preparation. That's where you're going to assess where you are and you can do that on recession.com. The second one is to tune up your business and your personal life. So that's asking questions like, do I have a capital reserve in case I need it? And you can use it either to survive, like if you lose your job, you're in a recession. It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. So this is, do you have an emergency savings fund that you can use? Or say that you get a great opportunity and you're looking to get into a business and you've got an opportunity to buy an asset for really cheap because we're in a recession, do you have the capital available to, to make that happen? So that's step two is to tune up your business and personal life. Step three, uh, what we call third gear, is to race. So this is where you're making sure your company is healthy, that you have the right culture, that you've got productivity measures for all of your employees, so that when we get into the recession, you can hit fourth gear, which is to accelerate. And accelerates where you're going to take off, you're going to slingshot past the competition, you're going to buy your competitors, you're going to buy assets that are cheaper in a recession, or you're going to be able to pick up talent that's not available right now. Because I think a lot of your audience may have noticed unemployment's at record lows. And so talent is really hard to get right now. And a recession will give us new opportunities for talent, but only if we're prepared. Because that A talent may come out on the market for a minute in a recession, but they're A players, right? So they're quickly going to find a new home. You have to be ready to pounce. And that's what I want the audience to get from this, is just what do you need to do now, since the economy is in recovery, since the economy is healthy, to be prepared to pounce? Now, one of the key things you mentioned in the book was that you don't necessarily have to um, fire employees just because you're going through a recession. I know that's the knee-jerk reaction of most companies that whenever they even think things are going to go down, all right, let's lay off people. That's the first step to stop the bleeding and then they move from there. But you talked about in your book that, you know, that you don't need to fire people, that if you have a plan in place, you know, so you have a plan in place when things are working, for when things are not, you have like, you know, plan A to plan Z, that no matter what situation comes up, you should be more prepared to work with that plan as opposed to just using the knee-jerk 
reaction of firing people and cutting expenses and all that typical stuff that most people do in recession. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that and delve deeper into the type of plan you need to keep in place at that point in time. Because you mentioned, um, I believe his name is Don something or the other. They had a plan in their construction firm. Yeah, Don Greenland. Yes. So yes. Don Greenland from Navolt's Construction. So. The idea here, so the last piece, if you're still listening to us with this podcast, he did the first four steps of the, the model, uh, the first four gears, and it's not working, right? Um, you're not growing your business, you're not looking forward to the recession, then the last step is to have an emergency break. And by emergency break, that's my fancy way of saying a four-tiered uh, plan. So you can say, look, my revenue at my company is a million dollars. If I ever saw my revenue drop to 900,000, then here's what I would do with my recession plan. If I saw my revenue drop from a million to 800,000, then I would activate tier two of my plan. And I recommend four tiers. The tiers, not the ones uh, when you're crying, but T-I-E-R. So four levels, four tiers. And so by doing that now though, before we're in a recession, before you ever need it, you'll make decisions that are logical instead of emotional because recessions are super emotional times and you make suboptimal decisions when you're emotional. So if you've already planned out how you're gonna manage, if you have a recession, then you can just execute your plan instead of spending the first couple months of the recession curled up in the fetal position like I did. And then I would say for your audience too, the great part about a recession plan is it's not just for economic recessions. There are several non-economic recessions that we all have, especially when we're small entrepreneurs. So if you lose your biggest customer, you're in a recession. If your five best employees leave and they go and start a competing business, you're in a recession. Or say you find out that um, your business partner embezzled from you, and you lost $50,000, if you're a small entrepreneur, you're in a recession. The recession plan, this emergency break, can apply for all those situations regardless of what's going on in the economy. Great, great. So now, as we start to wind down the show, Jonathan, you've mentioned a lot about you know what to do in the recession, preparing and creating the plan. So now let's talk a little bit more about you know how can we invest in ourselves. Now, we're not talking economically, but I'm talking more along the personal development space because you created the life plan. I believe the life plan is also an offshoot of being personally well-developed to, to weather the storm because it's an emotional situation, as you just mentioned. So walk us through the process of building that you know, tough mindset and well-being that you need to say, you know what, no matter what happens, I lose my job, my company goes under, whatever, I have the intestinal fortitude to continue this struggle and see it through and make it out on the other side. So the life plan is my North Star because that I did that in the cool, rational light of day instead of the emotional heat of the night. So when I lose a client, when something doesn't work out for me now, when I don't sell as many books as I wanna sell in a period, that's what I can go back to to remind myself of why I'm doing this in the first place and what's important. The second thing is that I'm in the entrepreneurs organization so that I'm constantly around other entrepreneurs so that we have a support system. I mean, I think our tribe is weird. Like there's, who wants to go out and be an entrepreneur? 
it's much easier to have a day job and to not have to worry. There's a big difference between signing the back of a paycheck and signing the front of a paycheck. And I never have forgotten that. So with that comes a lot of responsibility. And I think the last thing is I believe leaders are readers. And so for me, it's about uh, just making time. And I know none of us have time, but I make time to be reading two to three books a month so that I can just stay up to speed with what's going on and to generate new ideas. And I make that time happen just because I think that's the way that we keep ourselves sharp. I listen to a lot of books as well. And then in the back of my book, um, I think you see I have an appendix with uh, a bunch of my other favorite books, uh, just because I think that's the way that we can really learn and grow. As well as I also love reading, um, I love podcasts, of course. And then I love um, reading academic research. So reading the actual academic research and then reacting to that as opposed to just what some people think, but have we actually studied this to make sure that what we've said is scientifically validated? I think a lot of that's lost and important these days too. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for sharing all that. So Jonathan, we've reached the end of the podcast. I really want to thank you for coming to share your wisdom and your story. But before I let you go, you know, people can see it in the background there, but tell us a little bit more about where people can reach out to you, connect with you, get the book, and of course, interact with you to learn more about what you're doing? Sure, the recession.com is the website. So you can go there, it's got links to all of our tools. The assessment there is free. That's a good starting point uh, for you to figure out where you're at in terms of how ready you are to rock the recession. The book's available on amazon.com. You may have heard of it, it's this little website. And beyond that, I'm always uh, available at jonathan at recession.com. If the audience wants to reach out with questions on anything they come across, always happy to help. Awesome, awesome. And I'll link to all that in the show notes when this is edited cool. and ready to go live. So thanks for coming on to share your story, Jonathan. I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. All right, rock on. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the show, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show and it tells me if I'm doing a good job or not and what type of guests to bring that can impart solid wisdom to help you grow on your entrepreneurial journey. Once again, you can always email me at info at odogwu.com. That's info at odogwu.com to let me know you know if you want a different type of guest or if you even want to be considered as a guest on the show so till next time guys have a great day stay bulletproof and of course i'll catch you on the next episode of the bulletproof entrepreneur podcast <laughs>